we allow to influence our minds impacts our actions. I want you to listen to that. What you allow to influence your mind impacts your actions. Now, when Pastor Rowe this morning was talking about healing, somebody here said, well, I know people that's died of COVID. I do too. Doesn't change the word of God. Doesn't stop him from healing. My husband passed away of cancer three years ago, multiple myeloma, cancer of the uh, marrow, bone marrow. Didn't change the word one iota. The word of God is still the word of God. Do we understand why? No, we do not. But he's still here in the business of healing. And when Satan puts those thoughts in your mind, you're influenced. You're influenced by your actions. Doubt and defeat will come in when that thought comes. The Bible tells you to take control of every thought in your mind. Take captive. Take your thoughts captive. And God is moving. When, when Minister Blaine was talking, when he was um, prayed about gossip, we sometimes we think about only tangible addictions, like drinking or drugs or something like that. When he started praying, and God had already spoke to me about gossip, not me gossiping, but before, clear that up. I don't know. I might. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But when he said that, I would, the Lord had already spoke to me to mention gossip, to mention envy, to mention bitterness, to mention jealousy, because those are things that we don't sometimes think about. But God still delivers those. But you are the one that can, it, you, what you think influences your mind will compact. And usually, when Pastor Roy didn't do it this morning because I have this in my notes, so he didn't do it. But usually, Pastor Roe, before service begins, is setting the atmosphere. He's usually walking back and forth here praying. He's getting the atmosphere ready. When the worship team is leading in worship, they are doing that. They are leading us into the holy of holies. They are leading us into worship. What you allow to influence your mind will impact your actions, whether you enter in or whether you don't. We can go if we want to. They are going with us or without us. We can go with the worship team. They're going to go whether we go or not. Pastor Rome, Pastor Megan are going to go whether you go or not. I am too. After we worship and have announcements and offering and greeting and our minds get influenced by other things. Somebody might have asked you out, let's go for lunch afterwards. Okay. Then all you can think about is Bob Evans, Tim Hortons, or Starbucks, or wherever you usually want. Is this not true? Is this not true? What you allow to influence your mind impacts your actions. So when those thoughts get in your head, it's hard for you to enter in. It's hard for you to get. So I am taking Minister Blaine's lead that he had last week because the worship was great. I'm going to throw this in, too. This is not my notes. This is free. It's a Kelsia thing. Have you ever noticed when people go to concerts, they're on the front row or want to get on the front row? Have you ever noticed when they have the playoff football games, they want to get on the front row? They want to get on that 50-yard line. They want to root for their player. Why is that? It's because that's where all the action is. That's where all the the motivation is. That's where all the fun is. (laughs) You know the front row of church? Usually you have to get here early if you get the back seat. Is that not true? Is that not true? These are things that impact our minds, that we allow to impact our minds, that impact our actions.
These are things. And all you have to do is say, out your own me, and that's it. Now, if, I, if it's my opinion, you can have a, you know, I don't know if I go along with that. If it is in the Word of God, you don't have anything to say. It is the Word of God. It is true. But the power of God along this front line, I'm telling you, if you don't believe me, just try and experience it sometime. Now, if you want to sit in the back seat, that's okay. I'm not condemning you or anything like that. I'm just telling you. They used to say long ago, I want to get under the spout where the, where the power flies out. That's what they used to say long ago. Okay, but with following his lead, I'm asking you all to stand, and we're going to pray. But you, what you allow to influence your mind, will impact your actions. Whether you receive what God has for you today or not, it's totally up to you. You can still be thinking about the playoffs for football. You can still be thinking about uh, whatever is coming up, Valentine's Day or whatever's coming up. Or you can control your thought life and say, Lord, I'm here to receive from you. It's not Betty that's doing it. Lord, I'm here to receive from you. I'm here to receive your word because you have a word for me. Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity that we have together in freedom. I thank you, God, that you are freedom. Lord, the spirit is free. And, Lord, I just pray I come against every influence, Lord, that would try and prohibit, Lord, from your word going forth. I just come in contact, Lord, with you, Lord, and I pray that the minds of people will be gathered together, that they will take authority that you have given them to control their thought life, that they place their whole life on you, their mind, their will, their emotions, everything on you, because, Lord, you have a word for us today. And I receive that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And I told the Lord this morning, I've done all I can do. I've prayed. I've studied. It's up to you. The ball's in your court. I have done everything I can do. And that's the way it is for you. When you've done all you can do, stand and see the salvation of the Lord. Okay. As we're reading through the book of John, in the description of the content of my Bible. It's a um, John Maxwell leadership Bible. It's, it gives you a little uh, outline of what's going to be in that book. And in this one, it said, each gospel was written with a different agenda, but only John made his agendas explicit. That's probably because Jesus loved him best. Just kidding. Okay. In John 20, 31, I'm not sure I gave this to the girls or not. In the New Living, it says, But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. That was the whole content of his book. The Son of God. And that believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. John was less concerned with Jesus' actions than he was with what his actions said about him. He was less interested in actually Jesus praying for somebody to be healed as he was about the compassion that Jesus had to pray for him. He was less concerned about what his actions were, but what his actions said. Why did he do that? He prayed for them because he had compassion for them. He was kind. He was kind because he gave them a solution when he prayed for them. He, well, he wasn't as concerned with what he did as why he did it. 
Now, the subject matter today is God is kind. Generally, he's not nice. He's not nice. I can be nice sometimes, though, but he's not nice. Generally, niceness involves doing something that is pleasing or agreeable. By contrast, kindness is doing something that is helpful to others or that comes from a place of compassion. Kindness is often expressed through actions that you take for other people. While niceness typically involves more superficial words or simple gestures. We need to be kind Christians and not so nice Christians. We need to reach out with kindness, not niceness. A nice person may tell a neighbor that they are worried or sorry that they are sick. But a kind person will drop off some soup or maybe go to the grocery store for them. So we need to be kind Christians because God is kind. He is kind. Compassion literally means to suffer together. Among emotion researchers, it is defined as the feeling that arises when you are confronted with another's suffering and feel motivated to relieve that suffering. That's what compassion is. Now, if you're a kind Christian and you come in contact with somebody that needs something, you will try and help them. You just won't say, oh, I'm so sorry that you're sick, or I'm so sorry this, or sorry that. Or if they're hungry, you you won't say, you know, I'll pray for you. You might invite them out for dinner or something, because your prayer may not stop the growling of their stomach. So that's kind if you just say, oh, I'm sorry, and pray for them. Kindness is when you take them and get a means for their need being supplied. In John 8, 10 and 11, it says, Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. Now, he was kind when he kind of stepped in to help her. But he didn't just take the kindness and say, you know, good for you, and and those people go away. He was kind when he said, go and sin no more. He gave her a solution for her problem. But now she had to decide that she was going to not sin anymore. It was her decision. But he was a kind God, kind Jesus, when he said, Go and sin no more. He gave her the solution to her problem. Oh, I want to tell you this too. You know, sometimes when Pastor Teresa was talking about being delivered from cigarettes, sometimes we think, oh, that's just her. That's, she's, you know, she's special. That's just her. And uh, when she said that, Jerry, my husband, was also delivered from cigarettes as instantaneously as she was because I know you'll find this rather sweet. He wouldn't want to ask me out on a date because he still smoked. Isn't that sweet? So he wouldn't do that, but God delivered him instantly. And he had smoked since he was about, I don't know, 13, 14 years old. But I say that to say you can have the same experience because when there's two or three witnesses, God has already done it. And here's probably many, many more. 
But anyway, I want to tell you, have you ever just been walking along minding your own business and the Lord will drop something in your spirit? You're just kind of, you know, going through your day and boom. Well, have you noticed that the presence of, of God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is getting more and more intense here? Have you noticed that? If you haven't noticed it in the back, come up front because it's up here. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, that's what he dropped into my spirit. And Minister Blaine last week talked about the book of Acts not being done. It's still going on. It didn't end. Where is it? Where is it? But this is what the Lord dropped in my spirit. You know, when... uh, talking about God being kind and Jesus being kind. When Jesus was getting ready to go to heaven, to ascend to heaven, what did he tell his disciples? Go and tarry in Jerusalem till you be endued with power from on high. Now, he could have said, boys, it's going to be a tough old road here, but you're strong, you know, you can handle it. He was kind. He gave them a solution for their problems that he knew they were going to have. He said, you go and tarry. Do you think they might have gotten tired in that length of time that they had to tarry there in Jerusalem? The 50 days that they, you know, prayed? They probably do. Sometimes we can, you know, we're hard-pressed to stay here till noon. But they stayed there until they were endued with power. Is that not right? That's not true? Okay. In Luke 24 and 49, the New Living, it says, And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with the power from heaven. Now, he was kind. He gave them a solution. What they was going to receive to help them go on to their their battles that he knew. Uh The Greek word for power is dunamis. You know where we get, what word we get from dunamis? Dynamite. But some of our fuses are wet, let me tell you that. But that's what dunamis, that's what power meant. When he said he would give you power, that's what he meant. He will give you power. He will give you all power. And, uh, you know, after the day of Pentecost... The disciples turned Jerusalem upside down, did they not? Sometimes, I mean, they didn't meet out at the corner on the porch and say, boy, Peter, wasn't that a good message? Oh, my goodness, did you feel that? They put actions to what they heard. They impacted their actions. And that's what I believe that the Lord wants us to do today. He wants to visit us here on Sunday and to get more and more and more power to turn Marion upside down, to turn Bucyrus upside down, to turn Delaware upside down, whatever town you're from. But you can't just stand out there on the porch and say, boy, that was a good service. Boy, that was a good word. You've got to impact your actions. We have got to get it. Sometimes I'm amazed at myself because I'm typically not this way. I saw a lady out to Kroger's not too long ago, and she was struggling with a walker. And I said, can I help you? I meant carry her groceries or something like that. She said, well, you can pray for me. Oh, right now, you know? Right now? Yeah, right now. 
Because the power of God is within us, but we have got to follow that action. We have got to do that. And we can turn Marion upside down if we will allow the Holy Spirit to use it. And I don't mean to be like totally, you know, goofball and everybody sees you come and run the other way. Because whenever you carry the power of God, they will come to you. They will come to you. They won't run when they see you coming. And there have been some people, I've even ran when I saw them coming. I dodged them in the store. I'm serious. You're serious too. But that's not what God wants. He wants the power in us and they will come to you. They will. They will come to you. And when they say, yes, I'd like to have you pray for me. Right now, you mean? Yes, pray for them. It doesn't have to be two hours long. But it's not in the length. It's in the strength. It's not in the length, that's in the strength. It's have you been, have you been in that upper room? Have you been with the Holy Ghost? And this is one place that you can get it, but you need to get it at home. You need to be making your bed or fixing supper and the Holy Spirit attack you, not attack you, but drop that into your spirit. And then you need to spend time with him. But you know what? We have a choice. Everybody, everybody here has 24 hours a day, is that correct? Anybody not have 24? It's your choice on what you do with it. All right, he is full of compassion. Psalms 86 and 15 in the New Living. But you, O Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Psalms 103.8, the Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. And remember, compassion literally means to suffer together. He's compassionate. Now, when he means he's compassionate, he sees you suffering. And what he's going to do is he's going to give you a solution. He's going to give you a solution to that suffering. He's going to reach out to you. But God is kind. Now, Pastor Rowe, the first Sunday of 2022, didn't, he said, told us, don't speak the language of the culture. And if you don't remember the sermon, it was on the new normal. Well, it wasn't on the new normal. That's what you're not supposed to speak. It was on the new year. But he said, don't speak the language of culture. Don't try and make God, with a big G, a God, little g, of the culture. Don't try and take God and make him into what you think he should be. Years ago, they used to have a saying, probably before most of you were born, that get, uh, don't put God in a box. You guys remember that? Okay. He is in a box. And this is his box. He is in a box. And this is his box. And you can't try and, well, you can, but it won't do any good. Try and change him for what his word says. It doesn't matter what the culture says. It doesn't matter what your friends are doing. It doesn't matter what you hear on the news. It doesn't matter how many people have died of COVID. This is the word of God. And he heals. This is the word of God. And he'll put a a hedge around you to keep you safe. This is the word of God. And don't try and take him out of this box and put him in your little teeny box. And make him think what you want. He is God, and he always will be God. If we allow people to take the word of God and speak the language of culture, we are being nice. That's what being nice is. 
if we tell them what the word actually says or means in a loving way, that's being kind. When you see somebody that's doing something that's contrary to the word of God, to be nice was, well, if that's what you think, you know, go on. To be kind is to be a very loving and compassionate person to tell them what the word of God says. And that's what kind is. That's the kind of Christian that God wants. He wants us to be kind. He wants us. You know, all these t-shirts and things that you see saying, uh, be kind, that you see, that's a slang thing, that's culture. I think what they really should say is be nice. Seriously. Because to be kind, let's take a, a waitress. And if the Lord speaks to you, to be kind, or let's take nice first. To be nice is just saying, oh, you're, you're really good. You're a really good waitress. To be kind might be to kind of gather up your mess on the table and not leave it such a mess and then leave her a big tip. That would be kind, particularly if the Lord spoke to you to do that and you say, oh, Lord, are you sure? Are you sure? Is that right? That's true. Okay. If you want to put my picture up there, and I know you, I probably, when Danny saw this, she's on my Lord, she's lost her mind. They get my picture up there. It's not me, period. Well, it's my hand. This is called a yoke splint. Everybody see that? It's a yoke splint. And if you turn it over on the other side, that's how it is. I got this, I think it was last Friday, a week ago. And in the middle of the night, while I was sleeping... Lord had the audacity to start speaking to me. Can you believe that? In the middle of the night. I know. I know. And he started speaking to me. He dropped Matthew eleven twenty nine into my spirit. Take my yoke up on you. Take my yoke and put it on you and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in spirit. And you will find rest. When that uh, therapist um, told me that, I said, oh, did you say a yoke splint? And he said, yeah. And I just kind of, you know, let it go. This passage up on first reading can seem anything but helping to ease a burden. Now, if you want to know the rest of it, I have a trick finger right here, this knuckle right here. And it keeps going out of joint. This yoke, when they put that on there, keeps that finger in place in order time for that tendon to heal. That's what that yoke thing's for. We picture a yoke as burdensome and annoying. When it says, take my yoke and put it on you, we take that as annoying and burdensome. Why would you want to wear a yoke? Because this is constrictive. Now, I can force it. But when I force it, it's not going to do what it's supposed to do. I can take it off. I have to work at it. I can take it off. I can take the yoke off from Jesus, too. I can take it and remove it. But it will be difficult because he won't let me go easily. He will fight for me. He won't let me go. 
If we concentrate merely upon the yoke, then yes, we get the picture that it's oppressive and troublesome and to even think so about. Good news, it's not about the yoke. I want to tell you about years ago when people, before they had uh, tractors and all the machinery that they do for plowing and farming and all, they use oxen or donkeys or horses or something. And they would yoke those animals together. This, the yoke is a burden-bearing tool. Who's your burden-bearer? Who is your burden-bearer? If you want him to bear your burdens, you need to be yoked up to him. It's, uh, the farmer would get down there, and it was his skill to guide these animals down through this dirt to plow the row so they could plant the stuff, the the seed that they were going to plant. Again, it's not about the yoke. It's about the farmer who was guiding the horses or the oxen or whatever. It's not about the yoke. It's about Jesus who's guiding you. Is he guiding you? Are you allowing him to guide you? You see, with this thing, I can force it to do whatever. But I have to work at it. When you take on the yoke that Jesus asked you to put on, you have to work at it because he will guide you. As the verse reminds us, Jesus teaches us the right way to go. When you have that yoke on on you and you start to go somewhere you shouldn't go, it'll, it'll prohibit you. Now, you can force it. You can go ahead and force it. Or you can take it off and go and do whatever you want to. But you're going to pay the price. And God can forgive you and God will set you free. But you pay the consequences for you putting off that yoke. Because he has your best interest at heart. He is gentle in his guiding. And he uses everything in the fields of life to instruct in his ways. And his ways are full of beauty. The yoke is merely an instrument that our perfect teacher uses to keep us close to him. So that we may feel his tugging here and his guiding to the right or to the left there he tells you to take his yoke up on him on you he says you take it you put it on and you can take it off but he won't take it off notice it says that that you have to put it on and you can take it off i can take this off but it is hard and then when i do that I'm fighting against what it's really for, the purpose of it's really for. That's the same thing we do with Jesus. When we put that yoke on us and we take it off, we have to force it off. And he, it, it's, it's prohibiting him from using us. Oh, I forgot to tell you about the red. I thought this was real interesting because when the therapist asked me what color I wanted that red thing, I said, oh, I don't care, whatever. And he picked red. Or maybe Jesus and God picked red. Because the Lord spoke to me and said, I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. You say, this is Jesus because he's on the right hand. This is the Holy Spirit because he's over here. And I'm in the middle. And I'm covered by the blood of Jesus, just like you. And so I thought, Lord, you are so good. And you are so uh, precise. This is a kind God. He offers a help to you. He offers a solution. A nice God may say, boy, looks like you have a heavy load there. But I'm sure you can handle it. 
I'm sure you can handle it. There's no problem. But a kind one will help you carry that load, which is exactly what he does. You know, a lot of times we're carrying the load, and you don't have to. You don't have to. A lot of times some of us put put the load down, and we'll go back and pick it up. I know with my daughter, which is an old story, but my daughter, I wore skin out, putting her on the altar and taking her off. She's skinless. You see a skinless girl, it's my daughter. But it was a burden. And I know some of you have kids like that too. But you know what? God's so faithful. She's a pastor's wife now and leads in worship. But I'll tell you, when I was going through that, somebody asked me one time if I ever thought she'd be a pastor's wife. I said, Lord, no. I had no idea. Because I'd lay her on that altar. And then she would do something stupid. And then I'd go pick it up because I was trying to get her out of that stupidity. And then I'd lay her back down. And she has no skin. I'm telling you, she has no skin. But that's what we do. We lay the burden down. And then we pick it back up. When he says, I will carry it for you. I will carry it for you. I will lead you with this. If I would have listened, she would have had skin. Because he would have guided me. And he would have directed me. And he would have helped me. But, you know, sometimes, do you ever think God's slow? He's never on my timeline. He is never on my timeline. And I know you guys think I'm always late. He's always later for me, I'll tell you that right now. That's true. But he's faithful. But if I had have listened to him and that, I would have saved her and me both a lot of heartache and a lot of pain, a lot of tears. But, you see, that's what we do. And we grow. We grow. I have grown from that. I have grown when I see, you know, this, uh, my daughter-in-law's mother told me to pray for my son-in-law. I said, there is no hope for my son-in-law. <laughs> but today there is hope. There is hope. I spend more time with him than I do her when we're down there because she works when I'm down there. And she lives in Florida. But, you see, if I would have listened, if I would have done what God told me to do, he would have guided me and he would have directed me. And we saved everybody a whole lot of stuff. So, in Matthew 18, 19, the Good News Translations, and I tell you more. Whenever two of you agree about anything uh, for a, anything you pray for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. Now, I'm winding this down because I have an a, um, impartation When you pray according to God's will, they are in agreement with you. When you come up here for prayer, you're coming up for the prayer team to be in agreement with you. But they do not have magic in their hands. You have to set yourself in agreement You have to put this yoke on you, and then you have to follow the leading that Jesus leads you in order for that prayer to become uh, to the fruition, in order for that prayer to be answered. You just don't come up here with a prayer and somebody pray for you, and then you think you can go back and do anything you want to, and it's going to happen. That's not it. And Satan will make you feel unbelief and doubt. And he will make you not want to do what God wants you to do. Because you think he's not hearing you. You think he's not doing what he's supposed to do. He is. And actually when you're waiting on God, he's probably doing more in you than he's doing in the thing that you want prayer for. He's changing you. 
He's making you to do that. But sometimes we think when we come to church and a big party. That's not the purpose. The purpose when we feel the presence of God in such a magnificent way is to give you strength, to give you courage, to fulfill what you are called to do when you leave here. It's not just for you to feel good, although you, it's part of feeling good, and I love it. But that's not the purpose. The purpose is for you to be filled with his presence that you can go out and people won't run from you when they see you come and they will run to you. I mean, that's true. And so this is what I really believe that God is doing. He is getting us prepared. I hate, I don't know, almost for another day of Pentecost. Almost for another day of Pentecost. Now, we may not see the fire, the tongues of fire come and land on us. But you can feel the presence. You can feel that wind come in and light on us. But you know it's up to you. Are you willing to be put in the yoke? Are you willing to allow God to move you? Are you willing to do what he wants you to do? Are you willing to set yourself in agreement and then live that agreement? You know, there's this uh, lady that I've been ministering to that has lung cancer. And you know, when people think they're going to die, oh, my Lord, they want the Lord. They want the Bible. They want all the Christian stations. They want all the Christian songs. And as soon as they get a, oh, it's not that bad, it's out the door. You know what I'm saying? And that's not what God wants. He wants us to come in and get filled up and then go out and turn Marion or your town upside down. He wants us to go out there and pray, just like Peter and John. I think it was Peter and John that went to the temple. Silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you. Rise and walk. Take your bed and walk. That's what, do you think that can happen today? Acts hasn't ended. There's no amen at the end of it. It's still going. But the ball's in your court. Because he's done what he, he said he would do. He wants you to yoke up with him. He wants you to do that. Okay, this is what I'm asking to do. And I didn't ask Pastor Roe. I hope it'll be okay. It's not okay. I would like for Pastor Roe and Pastor Megan and the prayer team, Minister Blaine, Scott, Greg, I called you Jeff, Greg. <laughs> See, he doesn't recognize his name when I call him by the right one. And I want the prayer team to come up here. Teresa, Pastor Teresa. And what I want you to do is I want you to stretch your hand forth to these individuals. And I want you to pray for them. Because then I want you to come up. And pray and get prayed for. I want you to set yourself in agreement with them and the word of God. I should say the word of God and them. I want you to set yourself in agreement. And then I want you to do what God wants you to do. I want you to put your yoke on. If you have a yoke on, it might need some tightening or adjusting. It might have need some uh, redone, re-oiled or whatever you do to them. I don't know. But God is wanting us to walk out in the word of God. He's wanting us to walk out acts, but you cannot walk it out on your own. I want to tell you that right now. You cannot, I mean, you could try it, but you're going to fall flat on your face. You need the power of God behind it. 
And God is wanting to move in the gathering place. He's wanting to move in Marion. He's wanting to move in Bucyrus. He's wanting to move in Delaware. He's wanting the drug addict set free. He's wanting the gossiper to quit gossiping. He's wanting the people to start eating right. He's wanting to do all these things. But you are the ones that have to get your yoke on and let him lead you and guide you and direct you and that his anointing to fall through you, to flow through you. So I'm asking you right now, if you'll stretch your hand toward this these uh, people up here and just pray for them. Pray for them that God will use them. They set their self in agreement with you this morning, Lord. We set ourselves in agreement with you. I pray for the anointing on each one here, Lord. I pray for the anointing on each one. I pray, Lord, that as they set their self in agreement, the word of God will come alive in them. The word of God will come out their mouth and people will be set free. And I just pray right now, God, as we yoke up with you, Lord, that we allow you to lead us and guide us and direct that we allow you to carry our burden, that we allow you to use us in these last days. I thank you, God, for all that you've done and all you're going to do. And I just praise you in Jesus' name. Now, I want to ask you right now, the ones that want to be yoked up, the ones that want to do what God wants them to do, the ones that want the anointing to come up and set yourself in agreement with these leaders up here, Set yourself in agreement with them and allow God to use you. 